0: you're all doing so great. It's so good to have you here. I'm Naomi, the host of Dope Nostalgia. Here we are with another episode for you folks. I'm very excited about our guest today because uh, he's a friend that I've met um, when he comes up to play music here in my hometown of Edmonton. He's a Canadian, but he's living in Nashville, making a great living doing music and being a rock star, doing his own stuff. Fantastic musician. uh, Trevor Finlay is on the show today. And we decided we were going to get together and well, who do we want to talk about? Well, here's a, here's an artist that has a huge history because of all the different bands he's he's been in. But what I wanted to focus in on especially was uh, the fact that he had a solo career in the early 90s. His name is Dan Baird. He used to be the frontman and guitar player in a band called the Georgia Satellites, which a lot of you have heard of. And they had a lot of hits in the 80s. So Dan Baird separated and then he went on and did his own thing in the 90s. And he had a huge hit called I Love You, period. And that's why, hey, I was like, let's talk about Dan Baird and what he's done. Tried to get a hold of Dan Baird. But what's interesting is that he was playing in his own band called Dan Baird and the Homemade Sin for many, many years. And as of November last year, he wrote a note to his fans saying that he was officially retiring due to health issues and wanting to spend more time with his, his loved ones. So we weren't able to get him on the show, at least not for this episode, unless something miraculous happens from the time I'm telling you this, till the time it airs. A very exciting thing that is happening, though, is Patreon, because Patreon is helping us pay the bills and keep the lights on and keep this thing rolling and do all the interviews and such. Patreon.com slash Dope Nostalgia. That's where you can go to subscribe a very, very, very tiny fee just to get some extra bonus content as well as uh, early podcast released. Yeah, you get to hear it on Tuesday when we release it at midnight instead of Thursday. Sometimes it might even be earlier, depending. Not only that, but with the bonus content, you also get some videos and such. So hey, if you really love the show, first of all, it just means a lot to me if you share it share it with your friends. Uh, and it's a tough time for money everywhere right now, so I don't expect a lot, but it's cool if you if you can and you can make it happen, be a Patreon, support what you love, support original content. It's great. It's great. And uh here we are. We're going to do an episode uh welcoming Mr. Trevor Friendly to the show. But first here's a little background on Dan Baird.
1: Wikipedia moments.
0: Dan Baird is an American singer, songwriter, musician, and producer. He is best known as a lead singer and rhythm guitarist from this band, the Georgia Satellites. Baird formed the Georgia Satellites in 1980 and left the band in 1990 to pursue a solo career. He is often credited as one of the pioneers in cowpunk and alt country music, which combines elements of rock music, country music, outlaw country and punk rock and keep your hands to yourself you know it (laughs) hey hey baird was born in san diego california when he was about three years old then his family moved to seattle for a year and then off to atlanta georgia baird released his first solo album love songs for the hearing impaired in october 1992 produced by brendan o'brien with executive producer rick rubin who founded deaf american recordings a review in Rolling Stone magazine praised its combination of foot stomping redneck rock and slyly intelligent lyrics. It was said. Ready? Yeah. This is how bluesed up macho rock ought to be served sizzling hot and extra lean, seasoned with a sneaky sense of humor. On his solo debut, Love Songs for the Hearing Impaired, the former Georgia Satellites frontman commands attention like a smart bar stool of bard. Dan Baird spins revolved white trash tales to familiar Chuck Berry-derived boogie. Hit the guitars amid a stinging immediacy. Retro, it's not. Really. I Love You Period was the single from the album charted on October 10th and peaked at number 26 on the Billboard Hot 100. The One I Am charted on January 23, 1993 and peaked at number 13 on Billboard's chart for album rock tracks. In 2005, Baird began touring with his band Homemade Sin, which today features two ex members of the Georgia Satellites, Baird and drummer Moral Magellan. Former member of the Georgia Satellites bassist Keith Christopher was replaced during 2014 by Mick Nilsson. Homemade Sin also includes guitarist Warner E. Hodges, who tours and records with Jason and the Scorchers, a cowpunk originating band as well. So many bands, so many band members. Homemade Sin is the last band that he participated in before calling it quits and announcing his retirement. I'm going to have a little chat now with our friend uh, Trevor, Trevor Finley in the house. Hope you enjoy it. I've been uh, hosting quarantine uh, drinking and games parties. (laughs) Awesome. On Zoom. So I I get quite a bit of use out of it. (laughs) That's awesome. Besides this right here, what we're doing today. Um, <clears throat> have you done many podcasts before?
2: I've done a handful. Yeah. And I've actually been uh, working and putting together my own as well. What were you
0: thinking of, uh,
2: doing? uh, well, it's going to be called the Roadhead podcast and it's basically just, uh, me and some of my musician friends telling road stories and you know nothing, uh, like nothing exceptionally salacious or is that's going to get people into trouble.
0: Yeah, that's what my next question was. (laughs) Well,
2: I I had an interview with a guy that um, I've known for a long time that uh, he actually played percussion on a a Jimi Hendrix recording,
1: Mm.
2: which is kind of cool. He he was like working at A&M for, you know, 30 years or something like that. So, um, and he was good friends with Chris Cornell. So at the end of the interview, I said, hey, uh, you know, is there anything you can tell me about Chris? And he told me the story that I'll never be able to use. (laughs) It's like, I just, I, cause it doesn't make him look good. It doesn't make yeah. the people that he was talking about look good. And it like, I'm not, no, that's yeah. a, I don't want to besmirch the dead or the living for that matter. So.
0: That's a good choice. That's one thing I try to do in my interviews and with this podcast in general is keep it light and keep it positive. Yeah. Cause I've talked to a couple of people who have a lot of controversy around them and I just decided not to go there. Oh, like who? Okay. Color Me Bad had an incident where the lead singer or I don't know if I'm allowed to call him the lead singer because there was four in the band, but he uh, got drunk before a show. This was only a few years ago um, and shoved the other lead singer to the ground and started calling him names and stuff. Mm. And so this is stuff that's all over the press and whatnot, but I just didn't want to bring it up with the guy when I talked to him. Yeah. Like, does he really need to go live through that again? Yeah. Like, how many times does he, ha- does he need to talk about it? So it's like, why bother? If anybody needs to know about it, it's out there in the public record anyway. That's just Probably a, a mild, choice. just a mild version of mm-hmm. something. But
2: well, I saw there's there an asterisk beside the, uh, the, the Moxie Fruvis mm-hmm. one. And I yeah. know that they have, they have uh, well, one guy in particular is, is not in a good place.
0: Yeah. And that was my very first interview I did for this podcast was with um, Marie Foster, who is the bassist for Moxie Fruvis, Yeah, And I decided not to bring up Gameshi at all.
2: <laughs> Probably for the best.
0: Oh, especially when I'm brand new at this. I yeah. was afraid to stick my foot in my mouth and ruin it for myself. And <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. sure he he's had plenty of times where he had to weather questions about him. I wanted to focus mm-hmm. on the music and not, not worry about the other stuff.
2: It oh. took me a year to get King of Spain out of my head.
0: <laughs> it's a good tune.
2: It's ridiculous. Like, And and uh, I think I th- I sent an email. Like, I was a uh, roadie for them for uh, their American tour. Yeah. And so I got to hear that song every night for 27 nights. Because they did 27 shows in 30 days in 27 cities. It was ridiculous.
0: What I learned about Moxie Fruvis from that interview is that they, at the time, were pretty tame. Like, they'd sit on the bus and do sudokus and stuff like that like nothing too crazy Uh-huh. at least that's what they <laughs> said <laughs> or maybe only maria can speak for himself i don't mm-hmm. know about the other guys that's what i keep getting from people oh no we were good you know road life is hard we didn't get drunk we didn't mm-hmm. do drugs
2: <laughs> right, right.
0: But, you know, you have an inside scoop on how road life works, and I'm glad that you're considering doing a podcast.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's just it. I mean, like, there's so many people that are in the trenches that – and those are, the, that, those are the stories I love anyways. So I, I, I can sit around because like, it always turns into that scene from Jaws mm-hmm. where, like, uh, we're sitting around talk- like showing each other scars, emotional or not, and it's like, all right, you wouldn't believe what happened when I played in yeah, whatever random place, Vancouver. And, a, uh, wow. yeah, I love those stories. Like when you can sit around and just, you know, it's, it always ends up into be like, <laughs> you know, we end up trying to top each other with the crazy shit that's happened. And yeah, it's, it's always fun.
0: That'd be really fun. That was always the life I imagined for myself would be like on the road to, in some capacity, but just never mm-hmm. really worked out that way. But no, you yeah. never know.
2: It's, yeah,
0: I'm not dead yet.
2: Exactly. <laughs> Plenty of time.
0: So everybody, Trevor Finley has an extensive touring history as a musician. And um, you're doing your own solo material as well as working with others. Um, do you want to tell people about some of the bands you've worked with? Some of the artists?
2: Uh, sure. Um, well, other than uh, playing with myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the uh, I guess the other, I've, I've done guitar work for um, other people. Uh, I just produced a record for... Uh, a woman named Stacy K black who um, her star is kind of on the rise right now. Like she's a TV director Mm -hmm. and she wanted to do a passion project in, uh, in Nashville. So I uh, produced that for her. Uh, And I think the artist that everybody has heard of in some capacity is uh, Tiffany. I was her guitar player for eight years.
0: That's a long time.
2: It is, it is. We've, uh, we've, we've, Seen a lot of things. We've done a lot of uh, done a lot of shows, and yeah, she's a uh, she's a great great lady.
0: Uh, she came to Edmonton last year. Yeah, and I f- I finally got to meet her. Although it was a quickly brief like meet and greet situation, I mentioned to say that I knew you. I was <laughs> and we had a good like laugh, and she's so sweet about and happy that I knew you. And that's it was, awesome. It was cute. Yeah. I finally got my Tiffany vinyl signed. I was very happy.
2: Oh, very cool. Very cool. She's she's a very, very cool person. Very, very, very down to earth. She's aware of who she is and she doesn't shy away from it. Mm-hmm. Like there's a few people like that. Like uh, that list that you sent me, uh, Rick Astley was one of, the, one of the other names. And we played uh, a few festivals with him in uh, the UK. Mm-hmm. And he's another guy that, you know, he's very aware of who he is. He knows what Rick Rowling is and he is all about it. So if it wasn't for Rick rolling arguably he may not have the career resurgence that he he did. Right. Or he does. So he he uh, released a new record while we were in the UK. He released a new record and it actually went uh, it charted. I think it actually hit number 1 while we were there. So it was a uh, it was a very cool thing. And he's a uh, another very nice guy like that's one of the great things about uh, some of the the uh, shows that we were doing where it was a bunch of the older bands like a lot of the eighties uh, bands and stuff like that is everybody has sort of been through it. You know, maybe they were monsters when they were, when they were younger, but mm. then, you know, as they got older, it's like, okay, well, you know, we can still do this. So maybe I'll just, uh, be appreciative and, and kind of humble. So.
0: No, uh, yeah, they're self-aware. And uh, I think it was smart of him to take that time to do something productive with it and put music out. Yeah. You, you yeah. know? Yeah. I love people who can have a laugh at themselves. They're the most endearing. Yes. For sure. Um, But I wanted to eventually do an episode where I was hoping I could talk to Tiffany about the album New Inside because it was my favorite Tiffany album of all of them. Mm -hmm. And it it was also released in the 90s, which the first two were 80s albums. So since this podcast pertains to the 90s pretty strictly, that's... uh, (laughs) that would be what I'd love to do. So maybe one day down the road, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Um, well, she's, you- a
2: she's pretty, uh, pretty atta- like a, you can pretty easy to reach out to anyways.
0: I heard her recently on Lance Bass's podcast. She was promoting, she's working on, um, like a cooking with Tiffany type thing right now from mm-hmm. her website. So she's keeping very busy
2: during this time. Oh, she always has. I mean, uh, before uh, she started hitting the road again, quite as extensively as she was, she was doing. Uh, she had a boutique here in Nashville. Um, I mean, she's <laughs> she was on uh, was it Wife Swap? I think it's like oh, yeah. every once in a while she'll show up on these random reality shows.
1: Like
2: <laughs> uh, she was in, uh, you know, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, the Australian edition.
0: I was gonna say, is that a UK thing? I've heard the title.
2: Um, I, I think that there's it, it might be UK and Australia. I, I'm not yeah. sure exactly where it is, but it's uh you know, and it was funny, like the uh I hadn't heard of any of the people <laughs> that they were that they had on. It's like I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Really? Are you? But
0: yeah, in that region. <laughs> because,
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: So that means Tiffany would be a huge international star to them, that's for sure.
2: Well, that's just as she's the the most grounded icon you'll ever meet. Mm. Yeah
0: yeah I feel blessed that I got a chance to talk with her briefly. Um, also, I want to talk about where you came from and where your career started because you're from Ottawa, correct? you're a Canadian
2: yeah, I was actually born in Winnipeg, but I moved to Ottawa when I was three years old, so I have no m- memories of Winnipeg at all, uh, other than my uh, all my family uh, still resides in in a small town in Manitoba, um, you know the extended family, the aunts and uncles and cousins, and a lot of them are still farmers and ranchers and. And uh, you know, the the lifeblood of the country. Um, but yeah, I I uh I was in bands for a long time. I I uh decided to go solo in ninety six just because like, I was tired of putting a band together and then breaking up. So I knew if I put my name on it, there'd be no way I was gonna break up unless, you know, I actually just called it quits or retired. Mm-hmm. And uh Yeah, I started uh, doing records. I recorded my first one in 98. I've done seven, I think, since. Nice. And uh, my last one was, uh, it's called Get Into It. And uh, yeah, I'm really, (laughs) it's a very cliche thing to say for somebody in my position, but I'm very, it's, I'm the most proud of it that I think that I've ever been um, for, for recording. Just because we did it in four and a half days, there's no tricks. There's no computer fixes after the fact. It's like we just recorded it. We played it as good as we could on that particular day, and wow. uh, what you hear is what you get. So, like, you know, it's because uh, like the stuff that I listen to, none of it is perfect, and right. I, I I have a hard time with music that is perfect because I I just sort of like I don't hear music. I see a grid in my
1: head. <laughs> It's like, yeah. how do you,
2: how do you dance to a grid? But, uh, too I guess,
0: polished too. Yeah. yeah. I can think of some examples in my head, but they are, some of them are by bands I like, so I don't really want to go there, but <laughs>
2: well, I mean like auto tune is, is one of the biggest, one of my biggest pet peeves, mm-hmm. just because it's, uh, you know, it's almost like, you know, with auto tune now, anybody can do it. Well, the way that, uh, the way we decided to record this one was to, go in and actually do it. And because we can do it. And um, I was able to call some of my my uh, I call them my star buddies, just because uh, you know, I, I had uh, Ron Lavella who plays drums for Vertical Horizon. Um, I've got uh, Michael Klooster who plays keyboards for uh, Smash Mouth. And the guy that engineered and uh, helped me produce some of the stuff. He, uh, his name is Brian Ficchino. And he's you know, a monster guitar player played with a, a, a group called the Pat McGee band back in, I think in the nineties, actually. So oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. What got you from going up from Canada to the U S now that you're currently in Nashville and you have been for se- several years, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been here for 12 years.
0: What made you, you just decided to go cause you needed to make music and that was the right right route for you at the time.
2: You know, I uh, I thought that if uh, if I wanted to go to uh, a hub, then I was going to end up in Toronto or Vancouver, or if I came to the states, it would be New York or Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and uh, all four of those places have ridiculous living expenses. Like I'd have to get a job in order to afford to be able to live there, in order to be able to you know try and do what I want to do, but then I wouldn't be able to do anything because I'd be having to keep that job in order to keep my you know keep my apartment or whatever <laughs> And mm-hmm. I just sort of I saw this I saw this like cycle in my head and I got I got nervous about it um
0: you're right and, I don't know how people can go to Vancouver to be a musician without something in place already
2: yeah well that's that's just it I mean I mean people do it and people thrive and are able to do it um I just it was it wasn't in the cards for me and plus that and I like it's uh they're really big cities mm-hmm. and uh I i like I like cities uh and they're a lot of fun to visit. Uh, I can't imagine living there so now of course i I say that, and Nashville has grown exponentially over the last few years but um my manager at the time had a meeting in nashville and and invited me to come and check it out and I'd never been i mean Nashville wasn't even on my radar, so it was like okay sure like i'll just we'll we'll go and as soon as I got off the plane when we landed in Nashville, I was like, oh, this is weird. Like I feel really comfortable for some reason. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ended up meeting a bunch of great people, like uh, some songwriters, some publishers. Um, I met one publisher in particular named Jill Godard who uh, works for a company called Olay. And uh, he asked me to you know, uh, sing him some songs or whatever. And so I, I did and he said, wow, that's, that's some really good stuff. Hey, uh, when can you come back? Cause like, I, I'd, I'd like to uh, set you up with a few of uh, my writer friends and, and see what, uh, see what you guys can come up with. It's like, um well, I could come back, you know, in maybe six months or something. He goes, no, 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 no. I, I need you back sooner than that. Mm. It's like, Oh, okay. So uh over the course of a year, like we ended up going back, uh, I think three months later and that was when I decided I wanted to move just because it, it, I'm like every day was, was uh, some sort of new adventure and it, it felt like it was where I was supposed to be. So uh, I decided I was gonna move on the second trip. On the third trip was to look for a place to live. And then the fourth time down was uh, you know, all the paperwork was done mm-hmm. and the U-Haul was packed and, and, uh, and here we are. Wow. Yeah.
0: So how many years has it been now?
2: It's uh, 12.
0: 12 years. Yeah. Beautiful. I, I still have yet to visit Nashville. Um, I think one thing that might surprise people is a lot of times they think of it as country music. Obviously, it's the country music mecca, but at the same time, there's a lot of rock music and other types of music coming out of Nashville as well. There's, yeah, well, like I mean, all, it's, all genres. It's
2: music City. Yeah, no, it's it's Music City, so that's uh, what I what I keep reminding people.
0: That's right.
2: Because, <laughs> like, you know, country music is is. Uh, it's not uh, high as as high on my list of things I enjoy as uh, as some things. So I much prefer like the blue side or the mm-hmm. rock side and of uh, of music. So
0: have you ever yeah. played at the Bluebird? I have. Yeah.
2: I have. Yeah.
0: I got familiar with that place from watching the show Nashville.
2: You know, uh, and it's it's actually <laughs> okay. So here's a fun fact: I've never actually seen an episode of that show. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I was talking to, I talked to some of my friends that, you know, we're, uh, that we're watching it. Yeah. And it's like, so are you enjoying it? It's like, this is not realistic at all. Like somebody gets a job at the bluebird <laughs> and then next thing, you know, they're, 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 they're playing the Grand Ole Opry. Like that doesn't happen. <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> How annoying that must be for people who live there. I'm sure.
2: Well, I mean, it's, it's, uh, uh it's entertainment. So
0: it, yeah, it was kind of, it's one of those like soap drama type shows, right? with with a lot of cool music. And it was actually a really good platform for some songwriters Yeah, to get their music um, showcased through the show. But I enjoyed it, I got addicted to it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I've asked a lot of questions about you and I'm really glad for your time today and for uh, talking with me about this artist that we were gonna cover, um, Dan Baird. Yeah, I, is that how you pronounce his last name, Baird?
2: I I believe so.
0: I want to make sure I get that right. Um, well,
2: that's how it's spelled, and and uh, I you know I don't know yeah. that I've paid attention to somebody. I I've said his name to a few people, and nobody's corrected me. So I guess I think that's I the only way it, you can pronounce it. I think so. I think so.
0: Um, but there's always people who manage to screw it up. So I didn't want to be one of them. <laughs> now, the genre that Dan Baird was primarily involved in was considered cow punk an alternative country really yeah according well, to wikipedia this is where i got a lot of my information cow punk i said what's cow punk country punk and i thought i don't really i didn't i listened to him on shuffle on spotify yesterday um mm. i could definitely see the country flavor in there but yeah. i didn't really get elements of punk out of it
2: you know i think that's that's actually really interesting because like now that I, I think about it, if I think back to that first Georgia Satellites record, mm-hmm. um, you know, even uh keep your hands with yourself has uh, sort of a it's like a, a country but mixed with blues and his voice is you know it's uh <laughs> what's the way of saying it? You know, it, he plays guitar like Keith Richards and sings like Bon Scott. Yeah, you know, he's got sort of like that. He's like shout singing.
0: Yeah, I noticed that. But it wasn't sometimes that irritates me in a in a vocalist, but I didn't I get that from him. Like well, it's
2: it's uh you know it, with him, I think it like you almost feel like you hear its legitimacy. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can hear it's like it's it's coming from a really deep, dark place.
0: Yep. I'm feeling yeah. it. I'm whatever he's feeling, I'm feeling it when I listen to him sing.
2: Yeah. Well, the way we actually got on to uh, Dan Barrett at all is because um, somebody posted that, you know, that, that thing that's been going on with uh, with Facebook about like, you know, 10 days, 10 albums thing. Yeah. And uh, uh, Mike Brazo had yeah. posted that he, uh, he put on uh, love songs for the hearing impaired. I think that's, that's one of the albums he was talking about. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, Oh, that's, that's amazing. That's the first time that I've actually seen anybody post anything about Dan Barrett. I'm, I'm, uh, I became a fan because I, I actually saw him uh here in town in uh, at a place called the Mercy Lounge, and uh, he was playing with uh, his band. Uh, I think Homemade Sin. I think mm-hmm. is what the, the band was called. That's right. And uh, like it was a it was a masterclass in rock and roll. It was absolutely unbelievable. Like his guitar player's name was Warner Hodges, mm-hmm. and he played with uh, uh he played with a, a band uh called Jason and the Scorchers. Okay. And if you have an opportunity to check out videos from that like just go and try and find any kind of live videos of Jason and the Scorchers and watch the guitar player. Like not only is he amazing at as as a guitar player, but he's a showman. He's he took the stuff that Chuck Berry was doing and added like these ridiculous spins and kicks and like he's he's actually like just, you know, it's almost wow. like he's slam dancing with a guitar. Yeah, it's, it's a very cool thing, and the whole night of watching this show is like, holy shit! Like this is unbelievable. And I went and I bought as many Dan Baird records as, as I could get my hands on. <laughs> so, yeah, and it's uh, uh you know, he does uh, a really cool version of uh, Hush, uh, which is a Deep Purple song. Um, he's he's one of these guys that. I know way more about him than I thought I did. Mm. You know, it's like one of these people that, uh, you know, Colin Linden was actually another one of those for me, except that Ah. with that I actually totally embarrassed myself because you know, we were talking about maybe potentially working together one day and he said, well, why, why why do you want to, you know, why do you want to work with me? And I said, well, I, I really love the production that you did on. And I started naming off like a bunch of stuff that he's done. And then I, I sort of stopped because I, I wasn't really looking at him as I was talking. I have a tendency of, as, as I'm talking, I'll look away and, and sort of like not because I don't want to get distracted or lose my train of thought. Right. So, and then I stopped and I realized what I was doing and I looked at him. I said, so do you need me to say your entire resume or like, you know, and I have a feeling that Dan Barrett, if I ever had a conversation with him, uh, it would be very similar. Mm. Yeah. I'm glad
0: you mentioned Colin Linden. Yeah, That's really cool. I was first aware of him as Blackie in the Rodeo Kings and uh, the things he's done up in Canada, but then also, obviously now he, I think he still lives in Nashville.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yep. But his, uh, his production work with, uh, he did uh, like, a, I think he did a Sue Foley record or two. He's worked with. Um, <gasps> That's a good uh,
0: name. I'm glad you mentioned her. I'm going to write her name down.
2: Yeah. Uh, Paul Reddick was another one. Uh, he also did David Wilcox. He did a record on him and uh, yeah I mean like just it, all of it was uh, was really cool, and we were actually playing on uh like a blues cruise together, and I played a david Lee, a David Wilcox song
1: mm.
2: that i I forgot that he was on the boat, and I, I played a <laughs> song from the record that he produced, and like i'm playing, and all of a sudden, I felt something sort of like I, you know how you feel like you have a presence somewhere around you mm. and I, I turned and I looked and he was standing right to the side of the stage as I was playing this song, It was like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> pressure yeah well that's not too intimidating at all
0: no, no. <laughs> oh wow so why did he leave the georgia satellites to begin with i thought they had a good thing going on there
2: you know that i don't know mm. i don't know i don't, I don't think i've ever, ever even heard any rumors or anything it doesn't um, seem I think- like
0: the band had a falling out because a lot of the members went with him
2: yeah well it may have also been that uh, maybe he just you know he might be it might be as simple as uh you know he doesn't want to be trapped into one thing you know because again like you uh you know with uh you know there's dan baird and then there's dan baird and uh homemade sin and then there's uh the Yehus, which is one of his later bands
0: here
2: yeah so i I think maybe he's just a Maybe he just likes to be free as a bird. I don't know.
0: Very much so. Could be. I mean, usually I figure if someone's the lead singer of a band already, why would they want to do a solo album? Well, probably because they wanted to venture out and do something that the band wasn't into.
1: Yeah.
2: Or maybe, you know, he just wanted to do all the work and, and get recognized for the fact that he was doing all the work. I don't know. That's fair. Yeah.
0: So the album Love Songs for the Hearing Impaired was the first time I had heard of him um, because he had a huge single on the radio, which was very odd at the time because it's kind of got a southern rock sound. And the climate of music at the time, 1992-93, it was grunge, pop, R&B. It seemed like a very strange type of song to have on your top 40, but it was there. And it was called I Love You, period.
2: And what a great song, what great lyrics. All, all of it, all of it was just great.
0: The lyrics are fantastic. And yeah. I think like, it was so quirky with that chorus and, and the words to it that it got people's attention.
2: And I don't think he actually wrote that. I think that everything else, uh, you know, with the exception of some of the rock covers that he's done. Mm-hmm. I don't think he actually wrote that one, but I think that he put it on his record specifically because uh, it was so engaging. Like, you know, at first, maybe he, uh, I have a vague recollection of seeing him in, in, in an interview or something where he said that, uh, you know, like somebody played it for him. He said, oh, that's cute or whatever. And then <laughs> next thing you know, he had it like it was constantly in his head and it just, it just kind of yeah, stuck in his craw and that's why he put it on the record. And then it Super became catchy. Yeah.
0: It was written by Terry Anderson, who actually co-wrote several of the tracks on the album already. So, but yes, that one was exclusively one writer. Mm -hmm. Um, And that album came out in the end of 92 and it was produced by heavyweights, Rick Rubin and Brendan O'Brien. Wow. So those are good people to be working with. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: Exactly. And I I remember like when it was uh, on the radio, it was kind of a because I wasn't I'm you know, I'm a bit late to the game of really appreciating grunge for what it was. Me too. Um, yeah. But while it was happening I was just, you know, I think I was in my uh I was probably really deep into my blues phase of like if it wasn't blues and it's crap and I'm not interested yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, you what you do when you're young and and opinionated mm-hmm. until you realize that the world is so much better when you just open it wide open. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I think that uh you know, I Love You Period was probably uh, it, it was an oasis <laughs> of like uh that bluesy sound that uh, that I liked in uh in otherwise a, a sea of grunge music and Parent's kind song would have heard
0: something fun in the middle of a misery. Oh yeah, there. Like, exactly. Um and definitely it says here so I love you period only made it to number 26 on the billboard hot 100 which is still great anybody would love to be in that place
2: <laughs> I agreed
0: um one other song I really liked after listening to the album that really got my attention was called pick up the knife okay yeah that, that was a good one so I recommend people check that out
1: This is Quinn and Charlie and Naomi. We've got a podcast together. We learn, we love, we listen. That's why it's called Learning to, to Listen. L to L. Check, I up again. <laughs> <laughs> what do we uh, talk
2: about? Shit. Malls. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about all kinds of stuff. What do we talk about? Malls.
0: TV. <laughs> we talk about
2: Muppets
1: Mall.
2: and shit. Every time Naomi talks, Charlie cracks up and <laughs> blows our take.
1: <laughs> she says, I stole her. <laughs> I stole her thing. I know. Why did <laughs> you steal her thing? Because it was funny. <laughs> Let's try again.
2: We do talk about <laughs> shit sometimes. Lots of poop. Yep. You got to be ready for some shit
1: talk. <laughs> yeah. Where can you hear this? On the bus. Spot- <laughs> on Spotify. <laughs> iTunes. Stitcher. <laughs> Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> I thought of that one a couple of takes ago. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs>
2: uh yeah, so why don't you listen with us every Tuesday? Uh you yeah, shit, how do we end it? <laughs> Just like this. <laughs> There's probably enough in there. There's a lot of stuff give or take. You can get one solid take out of those 10 takes. Yeah. Well, like or I'll just editing. like record a different thing. Well, I was going to say,
1: <laughs> just give up
2: that'll be your job to edit we'll take a something. swing at it again next week if we don't like it. That's L2L every Tuesday morning. Hey, Michelangelo, what's happening with the turtles? Well, us
1: Toon Turtles, you know, from the turtle cartoon show, spent the day finding Shredder in the foot using the turtle Toon Cycle. After that, we started acting crazy. Bandana spinning, eyes bulging, tongue sticking out, head spinning. So, we decided to relax and have a picnic with all our friends. Wow, sounds like fun! Yeah, dude, we had ice cream and jelly pizza! Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles! Toon
0: Turtles! In between, awesome. Why not?
2: In that case, did you did you get a chance to listen to the Yahoo's I Yehoos listened to the track you
0: you told me, "Baby, I love you." <laughs> now, where did the Yahoo's come from? What exactly is that band?
2: That's another thing. Like, I don't know. I I actually became aware of their existence because of that mm-hmm. song. Uh, I was sitting in, uh, I was sitting in a bar and it was playing all, on the uh, on the mm-hmm. speakers, and. Like when it came time for the the that last part, you know, "Baby, I love you, but leave me." The I love mm-hmm. it. Like it was, I, I went, "Who is this?" And I ran to the soundboard and I said, "Who is this?" So we looked it up and told, "Yeah, it's the Yehus." Say, like, "Who are the Yehus?" And it's like, "I think it's the singer from Georgia Satellites."
0: Like what? <laughs> Again, <laughs> so, he's in singing in another yeah. band. A list of people he's performed with I, I probably don't even cover the tip of the iceberg but we've got the yay who's on there um an artist named will hodge trent summer and the new row mob mm-hmm. the suffering bastards the blue fields <laughs> the suffering bastards is a great band name
2: yeah
0: i love that um baird doesn't he doesn't drink drink at all he he keeps like a pretty healthy lifestyle, exercises on tour instead of indulging in stuff
1: mm-hmm.
0: and things. Um, but yeah, eventually after doing a couple solo albums, the other one you told me to check out, I really liked too, the Buffalo, what was it called? Buffalo, uh, Buffalo Nickel. Buffalo Nickel, there was a song on there I really liked too called Birthday. Now that mm. album came out mm-hmm. in 1996. Yeah. So. So I think he had three solo albums that were just called Dan Baird. And then he eventually put a band together again, Dan Baird and the homemade sin, which we've already talked about a bit. Mm -hmm. And there are, there were a few ex members of Georgia satellites that were in the band with him as far as, sorry, go ahead.
2: I was going to say like, I I remember um, that at the show that I saw him play with, uh, with uh, homemade sin that people in the audience were like, you know, Basically shouting out that he he should do uh, keep your hands to yourself, and mm-hmm. I think he let somebody else in the band sing it. Nice. It's like we'll do it, but I'm I'm not gonna say I'll I'll let I'll let the drummer do it or I'll let uh, somebody else. It was it was uh, it was also pretty cool. Like you know, I was like I yeah, you know, just not there. So but I'll still do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll still be on stage. You just have to hear me do it.
0: He probably gets requested that quite a bit. Oh, um, probably. I, I, I believe it's the drummer who is still the, one of the Georgia satellite members that are in the band. Okay. Um, And even though Dan's not in the band anymore, the band has continued on. Yeah. That's a very recent development, which I will get to later. Okay. Um, So he prides himself on having a real vintage setup as far as for guitar tone goes uh, using classic tube amplifier sounds. Mm -hmm. Now you being a guitar player yourself, how do you feel about the setup you use? Do you know much about
2: what he was up to there? I, uh, I, w- I actually specifically wanted to know because he had such, uh, like him and the other guitar player played, you know, the tones were great. Again, like I said, it was a master class of, of, uh, of, of rock and roll, like real honest to goodness rock and roll. And uh, so I kind of snuck a peek on stage to see what he was using. And I think all he had was a, uh, like a blues junior, which is a, a tiny, pretty small little amp, I think it's like 15 watts or something like that. Like It's, it's really not that much, but Ooh. it's one that he was able to probably crank up to 11 and keep it there <laughs> and not blow everybody to the back of the room. And just have this incredible tone and, and uh, it, was, it was crunchy and beautiful. Wow. The second time I saw him actually was uh, he was backing up uh, Bobby Keys. And Bobby keys was uh, the saxophone player for the Rolling Stones for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. So he was just uh, you know, he, I guess he was fronting the band. Bobby would tell stories about being on tour with the stones and then they'd kick off into something else. And yeah, it was a, it was a pretty cool evening as well.
0: I think a lot of people in rock and roll, probably worked with him or wanted to or networked with him in some capacity. Mm. Um, The one story I read over the Wikipedia was that he met Neil Young once in a gym at a hotel or in a gym locker room somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) And they, in a locker room, somehow end up talking about touring, guitars, amplifiers. (laughs) So I thought that was a cute story because Neil ended up complimenting him on his music. Mm. So he'd already heard of him. Um, this is something that Dan must have told in an interview at one time or how would anyone know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, getting to the point, he announced his retirement on, in November that j- just passed um, to re- refer to his wiki there. Um, he actually wrote a big long um, retirement letter that refers to his health, that refers to the fact that he's just ready to still make music but from his basement and spend time with the people he loves. Yeah. Um <clears throat> he got he got sick uh 2017 with a a type of lymphoma or leukemia. Um inherited leukemia f- called chronic lymphocytic leukemia that destroys the red blood cells. So <clears throat> mm-hmm. <clears throat> although he says it's not the type of leukemia that will kill you, it'll definitely slow you down. Yeah. It's the way he would put it. So Hence, his decision to retire is probably a big part of that.
2: Well, he just announced, uh, I guess, a few days ago that he's uh, coming up with some new music. So oh, it's good. Uh, yeah, <coughs> pardon me. And it seems to be uh, sort of '60s inspired. Um, I didn't click the link just because I was in the midst of doing other things, but I have to mm. check that out for sure.
0: Well, good. I'm gonna have to try to find that. I yeah. I put out um, I put out the word to who um, his representation to see if I could get him to come on the show at some point. So I'm still waiting to hear if something that could come out of that because that'd be a good way for him to promote it if he was interested. Yeah, yeah. One um, other interesting tidbit about Georgia satellites and uh, keep your hands to yourself was that. They were number two on the billboard charts with that song. And the only thing that kept them out of number one with the album and the single was Bon Jovi, Slippery When Wet. (laughs) (laughs) And living on a prayer was number one at that time.
2: Oh, "Oh." fantastic.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that juggernaut ruined it, but still. Wow. Charting doesn't matter that much, does it?
2: (laughs) And whatever happened to them anyways?
0: I know, right? (laughs) My little figurines. I said the other day, I'm like, check out my figurines and my friends, or no, I said I call them my Bon Jovi action figures. And friends like, those aren't action figures. Action figures have bendable parts.
2: And those are actually like Bon Jovi. They're figurines. Figurines. They're,
0: uh, yeah. They're, there's a, a guy named Todd McFarlane. Yeah. The creator of Spawn. Okay. Who designed these. Wow. Someone's a little bit obsessed with Bon Jovi over here.
2: Well, let me, uh, can I, I I think I can tell you this, that when is this going to be aired? When is Uh, this going to come out?
0: uh, Within a month, probably.
2: Okay. Oh, Richie Sambora. (laughs) That's funny.
0: Yeah, the guitar comes off and everything. There's little, even little picks uh, on the floor. Oh, wow. So the detail's really cool.
2: So I think I can tell you this because I don't think she'll hear this before her birthday. Um, But uh, from... (laughs) So whenever I play a Bon Jovi song, if somebody requests it, I'll always say that this is a song by my wife's boyfriend. <laughs> you know, because it, it's uh, she's absolutely in like enamored with with Bon Jovi. So, oh, really? Yeah. So for her birthday, I uh, I actually got her a like an authentic John Bon Jovi autographed like eight by ten. It's oh, not personalized yeah. or anything, but it does come with like a like a certificate of authenticity, and Sweet. uh yeah, so that's that's for her birthday, which is happening on Saturday.
0: You're a good husband. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, it's, well, uh, that's
0: fantastic.
2: And it's funny because like it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that eventually I'm uh, like we might cross paths at some point.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I, I just don't want to uh, you know, it's uh yeah, I I don't want her like. Yeah, leaving me for him or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, that's not right. Um, but uh, I actually met uh, his guitar player, his, his new guitar player, who's, uh, uh, his name is Phil X. Right. And uh, I wrote this story on Instagram after meeting him, but uh, what happened was that I, I saw him and I went up to him and I said, hey man, can I get a, can I get a picture? Because like, my wife is a huge Bon Jovi fan. I think she'd get a kick out of this. And, uh, and the other thing, too, is that I actually bought this amp specifically because of the videos that he posts. So mm-hmm. he, uh, he has this like, little tiny like this little, little, little tiny thing, little tiny amp that he uses for uh, hotel room stuff. So like these okay. hotel room videos. That's so, awesome. Yeah, so he said, yeah, man, those amps are great, aren't they? I said, yeah, they really are. I said, all right, cool. Oh, And by the way, tell your wife that I quit Bon Jovi. And then the picture got taken like uh... a second after I went, Wait, what? He says, I'm just kidding. He walked away. So. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, what's funny is the day before Richie Sambora quit the band, it was the Calgary show that he didn't show up to. Oh, And I was at the Edmonton show, obviously, the next day. Right. Um, So that was crazy because everybody was watching this in the Bon Jovi fandom world was watching to see what was going to happen that night. And from all the clips and everything without uh, Richie there. So the Calgary show, John did a lot of the guitar playing himself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Plus they've always had people like Bobby Bandiera in the band and to play rhythm and such. So it wasn't, it wasn't a nightmare or anything. I right. thought it was really cool to see how they would cope without Richie. Very next day, Edmonton show. I'm there. I'm waiting to see what's going to happen. Welcome in Phil X. Really? And that was it. Very next day. Oh wow. He already had like his very first show at Bon Jovi and I was there and he, did such a fantastic job, even on like the vocal harmonies.
2: From from Frozen Ghost to uh, to playing it with Bon Jovi, that's pretty cool.
0: You went to NAM, didn't you? Did you go to the last one uh, NAM festival that happened?
2: I did, I did. Tell I me actually some even cool got
0: stuff that happened.
2: Okay, well, actually, I was almost uh, I. You just reminded me. I actually got a friend of mine to take a picture of uh, Nuno Betancourt for <gasps> you. And then I forgot that he had it and I forgot to ask him to send it. So hopefully <laughs> he still has it, and he can send it on over so I can send it over to you. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Nuno's
0: there like, from what I've seen, Nuno's there every year
2: because yeah. he
0: lives in LA anyway. So it's easy for him to be there. But yeah. uh, that's on my bucket list is to go to NAM. So maybe when this whole like health crisis thing is over, one day I can go.
2: Yeah. Well, hopefully this I know, crisis I know will a guy, end sooner than later.
0: I know a guy you know That could go to Nam. Who's that? (laughs) Forest T. Blackwood.
2: Oh yeah, there you go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's he's got a he's got an in there for sure. Uh huh. But yeah, Nam was
2: was uh, it's it's always a really cool time, really cool, you know. It's it's a great hang.
0: Yeah. And
2: it's uh, but I mean, it's it's gotten better. Like I've I've been a few times, and before, like it's it's all about you know. I've now got friends there that uh, when I go and I can hang out. I feel like I've actually got a reason to go. Whereas before I was like, you know, I felt like I was such a tourist. <laughs> so. Did you
0: go by yourself when the first time you went?
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: See, so I'd be, I would probably be nervous about talking to people, but now that you know people there, that's great.
2: Yeah. Like, well, I mean, it's, it's uh, it becomes a, such a, a cool hang because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like they're everybody's scattered all across the country and sometimes the world. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's like a great way, like, you know, everybody kind of converges in in Anaheim for, you know, the weekend or something and you try and at least sneak in a hello and uh, maybe a hug here and there. And then, uh, so actually one of the, uh, one of the things that happened this last time was, okay. So the year before, so that'd be 2019. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I ran into Doug Aldrich and yeah he's uh he's a guitar player uh played with uh you know like white snake and he's like he's just one of these guys that he's everywhere once you start looking into him you'll start realizing oh he played with that band oh he was there he did this like ah. yeah I, I think his newest newest thing is he's in uh, a band called the dead daisies with uh, uh john karabi
0: oh yes the yeah. old uh, motley Crue singer
2: right yeah the uh the <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so um, anyways, I ran into him and I said, hey, like, you know, can I get a can I get a picture? And he, so we took a picture and then uh, I posted that and uh, Tiffany wrote, oh, two of my favorites. I went, what? So I, uh, I called her up and said, what, what's that about? And said, well, Doug actually uh, did a tour with me back in the day. Ooh. So I was like, wow, I'm going to put that little tidbit of information into my back pocket for later. So when I went this past year, I ran into him again, and I said, "Hey man, we got something in common." <laughs> so you toured with Tiffany. He goes, yeah, yeah. I, I was there for a while. Was like, how do you know that? As well, actually, I played with her for eight years, and so we had a, a a nice little bonding moment there for a minute.
0: No kidding, and neither of you knew, and that's just
2: yeah, yeah. Wow. And like here I am, like you know, full on hero worship, and he turns out to be a peer. <laughs> Say like, wait a second. We got something in common. Oh cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I just I pulled up his Wikipedia on the side here just to see what kind of projects he is involved in. It's quite yeah, quite the list. Yeah. Quite the list. Yep. Discography. Ooh, Dio, White Snake, Burning Rain, Revolution Saints, Dead Daisies, 2020.
2: Is there a picture? Cuz the guy's got great yep. hair.
0: He's got like Sebastian Bach hair.
2: Yeah. He's the dude. Nice. Yeah. He, he, he rocks the hair.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's a handsome fellow. That's for sure. <laughs> um, what's a, one of your favorite songs by Dan Baird that uh, we can spin on the show.
2: Oh, wow. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Which songs? Which so if, you, songs if you don't do you want to do like baby, to I love you. So oh, I'm doing baby. I love you.
2: Okay, good. Cause I, I, it's not him singing it, but he's definitely in there.
0: <laughs> well, we'll throw in a clip of it.
2: Yeah, which is, uh, which is such a great, great song. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to, uh, to choose just one because I'm looking at the list now. And there's a, let's see, like, I Love You, period, which you've already, you're already going to be putting in, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, his version of Hush by uh, Deep Purple is amazing. There's a, uh, a song called Dixie Boaterand, which is... Uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it's almost like, do you remember the video, the Aerosmith video for, uh, I think it's crazy. The one with Liv Tyler oh, yeah. and uh, was it Alicia Silverstone? That's right. I don't know how I managed to pull that out of my ass, but I did. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyways, it like, Dixie Bodoran is almost like the song that should have been playing over Aerosmith's uh, crying or crazy video. So it kind of, yeah, it's a, it's, (laughs) it basically tells the story of, yeah, of, of those two crazy people. Cumberland River is another really good one. Mm. Yep, I'm really okay. bad at uh, I'm really bad at choosing favorites of anything. Like I'm I've people ask me well, like what's your favorite this or your favorite food favorite song favorite anything. It's like I uh. it's always so like it's all it's all mood based. I have no favorites of yeah. anything, and it's annoying. To, and like my wife hates it. <laughs> <I was> gonna- <laughs>
0: was going to say, what would make you, like, uh, this is a question that I ask people almost every show. And this is the one that I should give them a little notice on. Okay, Something that makes you nostalgic for the nineties, whether it be clothing, a food item, uh candy, a band, a feeling something that you just remember that you associate with that time period.
2: Oh, wow. There's a, uh... What do I associate with the nineties? Holy cow. Because like, I've been spending so much time thinking about like uh, thinking about the eighties that the nineties I've never even really thought about it. <laughs> I mean, I guess, uh, I guess, you know, like flannel would be a big one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the reason I I do this show is basically because everything that I discovered musically was from like ninety to like ninety six ninety seven right where I was developing my taste okay and that's why like this is my passion project
2: Oh, that's awesome, you know, and it's uh like for me i uh i don't know I might be a few years older than you or whatever but because like uh you know my first concert ever was uh uh white snake and motley crew, and that Ooh. was a bit that would have been the uh, girls 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 tour, I think that was like eighty seven, I think I remember looking it up at one point, but, um and my dad took me and two of my friends <laughs> to see the concert. So, and uh you know, like, and, and they actually just brought down a, a bunch of the vinyl that I used to own when I was a kid. And uh like, it's all actually Georgia satellites is in there. Uh, Iron Maiden is in there. You know, and stuff like that. Like I, I completely get like, as you're growing up, the music that you listen to when you're growing up becomes sort of the, uh, know, it's, that's the foundation. That's the stuff that you're going to listen to forever.
0: And it's also the bar that you judge everything upon in the future of what you listen to as well. I feel like if it, if it compares with, with that, I mean, a lot of people continue to listen to brand new music their whole lives, but I find that more often than not, there's a phenomenon where at the age of 30 ish, Mm-hmm. You kind of stop listening to what's new. A lot of people do. <laughs> and they just get right. stuck. I'm guilty of it. I listen to some new stuff, but in order for me to really get engaged in it, it has to somehow remind me of stuff I already like. Right. For instance, I like Bruno Mars. Yeah. Why? Because he's such a throwback.
2: Yeah. That's it. I, he's a a super talented guy. And uh, nice. he's a showman. And, uh, Like he he's actually uh, very reminiscent of uh, James Brown, but he took yeah what what James Brown did and then like took it to the next level up. Like I remember um, I was actually playing a show at uh, uh, here in Nashville when the Grammys was on, and Mm. from where I was sitting because I do an acoustic show every Sunday night, and uh, where I was sitting on the stage, I can actually see a television that was playing the Grammys. And I didn't hear the song, but I knew it was Bruno Mars. Like, And they basically had this whole choreographed thing where they did the, uh, like the James Brown moves and everything else. And I went, what the hell is that? So I went home like right afterwards and uh, tried to find a clip, which thankfully somebody <laughs> already had thrown on to YouTube or whatever. And it was for the song Runaway. So not only was the choreogra- like choreography and like the shiny gold lame suits and stuff like that. So eye catching, it made me want to go and check out the song that they were doing. And then mm. the song was so great that I had to go and buy that, like that nice. And it was just, uh, yeah. And if you haven't seen uh, him do Runaway, like everybody, everybody, everybody should go and check it out. Everybody go look. Yes, yeah. yes. it's amazing, amazing. Um, yes. Yeah, and it's uh, I'm really guilty of uh, not listening to a lot of stuff uh, either. So I do a lot of shows, like I said, I, I do a lot of shows in uh, in Nashville when uh, I'm not on the road. And uh, some of these shows are like in some of the touristy bars and stuff like that. Um, and I've developed a uh, a three year rule where I don't bother checking a song or an artist out unless they've been around for at least three years. <laughs> Because, like, hey, I,
0: I like that role.
2: Well, it's, I don't know how much brain space I have, and I don't want to waste it on something that people are going to forget about in a week. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, whoever's avoid, hot today, it's like,
0: avoid the flash in the pans. Yeah. And just, yeah. Well, and it's you never like, know who's going to be staying power. Why do they have staying power? Yeah. Well, maybe it was actually good.
2: Well, I mean, and the staying power kind of reveals itself after three years. So, like, there's songs like, all right, chicken fried. It's never gonna go away now it's like it's part of the lexicon or
0: uh <laughs> i love zach brown band
2: yeah or uh you know for me uh i think the newest songs that i've got <laughs> which again like i get away with so much just because like you know I, you know they'll say uh, hey do you know this artist i said no but do you like Skinner? like you yeah. know how many times <laughs> i've been able to get away with that <laughs> And I I go back and I listen to, uh, uh, I actually just worked up a ukulele version of Fly by Sugar Ray. Really? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, man. I'm into that. (laughs) Are you, uh, now you've been streaming, you've been streaming from your Facebook page, not only during pandemic, but you've been doing it before that.
2: Yeah. So thankfully I didn't uh, run into the problem that so many of my friends have. Because like since I got into it two years ago or something that, uh, And then like the shelves were just bare anything to do with podcasting, anything to do with like streaming. It was gone. Unbelievable.
0: You can't find a webcam right now, let alone all the other stuff too. But it's like, uh, I, I felt kind of blessed too. I've been saving up and buying things with the ultimate plan of eventually doing a podcast. And I started that half a year ago where I had everything. So, it was just luck. Yeah. Luck that I was able to put it all together.
2: It's a beautiful thing. So,
0: I'm glad you mentioned Zach Brown Band because like I really like the album he did where he, uh, with the song with Chris Cornell Heavy is the head. Mhm. Yeah, I'm a fan for sure. Awesome. I now, so you've just been putting out music lately at like really, really really, really recent release, right? So, um, tell everybody where they can find your stuff and listen to your music and buy, and buy and support support your artists.
2: Yeah, well, um, well, you can go to my website, which is trevorfinley.com. Um, my new record, which actually is funny, I have a copy of it sitting right here.
0: Show us. Ooh,
2: it's the, cool. the vinyl. Very cool. Yeah. And uh, so that actually is, uh, that's actually only available from my gigs or from my website. That's on my store. Um, And then uh, for, like, (laughs) the way I did it actually is I put it out in three different incarnations. So in, like, in physical copies. So I've got CDs. uh, I've got the vinyl and I have USB drives. Mm. which have the record on it. And uh, as well, it's also available on uh, iTunes and Apple Music and Spotify. And All right. at the end of the day, I don't care if people buy it or not. I just want people to hear it. Cause like it's, you know, I, 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 I'm super proud of it, so.
0: Yeah, you want you want to hear that people enjoy the things you're proud of. And yeah. that's, that's the joy of doing it to begin with.
3: Why don't you look what you started? 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 started?
0: I'm so glad that you uh, took some time to chat with me today. We'll have to do it again. Absolutely. Do another, do another episode down the road here.
2: Well, I looked at the list, and there's a few that I'd love to, I'd love to contribute to. So.
0: Isn't it a crazy list? Like, there's a lot of like who.
2: <laughs> I I didn't recognize maybe three quarters of the people on there, but I did see that David Lee Roth was one of the people that he did have on there, and uh, I've we got. wanna
0: Talk about his '90s work. Yes.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I've actually I've read his book probably three times.
0: Great. He has a book called Crazy. Oh, he
2: has a book called Crazy from the Heat, and it's uh, yeah.
0: If you can talk at length about David Lee Roth, we have a deal.
2: I. Uh, it's disgusting. It's another one of those people that I'm pretty sure that I would totally embarrass myself by how much I actually know.
0: <laughs> it's okay. That's how <laughs> I feel about these guys.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. That's funny. Um. Actually, I, I had Billy Sheehan on the show, and
2: you should have booked him for me. David Lee Roth. That would have been amazing.
0: We talked a little bit about David Lee Roth. Yeah. Really? Oh, that's cool. And talking to Billy and Eric was like a dream come true. That was <laughs> the, I felt like so happy in, the, in those moments. Just, I even like to listen to the episode again for both of them because I'm just like, I can't believe that happened.
2: Can I tell you my Billy Sheehan story? Yes. So I, um, okay, so back when MySpace was still a thing, mm-hmm. um, he actually uh, made a comment on, uh, like on my page. He went out of his way and, and made a comment on on my page. Like it's like, what that's that's so crazy. And so I actually ran into him at uh at Nam, actually in in Anaheim, uh several nice. years after that. And I went up to him and I said, Hey man, like just so you know, uh the fact that you took the time to uh say something on my uh, on my MySpace page, like it was unbelievable. Like it it gave me uh, a boost that's you know, I wouldn't have you know who knows like it just it meant the world to me and he said he said the strangest he was like he said something along the lines of well I like human beings I like to think I are one
0: <laughs> I love it yeah it
2: was like awesome
0: <laughs> he's very intelligent he can talk about topics at length yeah and and keep you engaged in in the conversation.
2: But I don't know that he uh, he's all that into compliments or thank yous or anything. Maybe he's like
0: uncomfortable that. with compliments.
2: Or maybe it's just like you're not going to say anything that he hasn't heard already, and
0: that's tough.
2: How do you yeah? How do you stay uh, sincere? Like how do you sincerely say thank you when you've heard the same thing millions of times?
0: One thing I like to do when I talk to somebody that I want them to remember what I said is I try to think of a song I like of theirs. That's very obscure or, or maybe compliment or talk about the songwriting more so than anything else. Mm -hmm. If they wrote the song, because that's the way you, you want, you know what? If somebody says whatever about my singing, fine. But if they tell me that the songwriting on a song was great, you've got my attention. Right. If I wrote it, Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's the greatest compliment you could have paid me right there.
2: It's awesome. So it's true.
0: That's how that feel. Thanks for joining me today.
2: Thank you for having me. That was fun.
0: Trevor Finley, everybody, what a great guy and a talented musician. As I just played one of his songs called "Yes." Please check him out at trevorfinley.com. Search him up and get his good music. And thanks for talking with me about Dan Baird. We're gonna move on and close the show off, but I'll let you know about next week's show. I am so excited. Okay. I get to finally share this with you. Right said Fred, the interview. Yes. Next week, our episode all about right said Fred. And those guys are hilarious. They were a blast. You guys take care and we'll see you next week.
1: Hit up our Instagram dope underscore nostalgia. You like Twitter better.
0: That's cool. Nostalgia dope or shoot us an email. Dope nostalgia podcast at gmail.com. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.